Welcome to episode 577 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 577 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Just, well, this is take two. We're, 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 you have had a haircut? I have had a haircut. But you, you were going into a lot has happened a in lot. the last week. Oh, huge amount has happened. Yes. We've now got the world shot put champion. The strongest man in the world with a shot put. First, this is going to blow a lot of people away. First ever per- Kiwi male to win a medal at the World Championship, Athletics Championships, which what? is kind of crazy. No, to win a medal. Yep. To win a in in anything. Yep. Because the world right. champs hasn't been around that long. Really? Yes. Yeah, so first that blows my mind away. And I'm a Kiwi. I'm pretty sure that's right. He's definitely the first track no, he, field no, surely, athlete. Surely he's won a medal. You, you name someone? Has he won won himself in the no, past? No. So he's the first time winning a medal wins the champion. Yes. Tom Walsh, and he's a top guy. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. And we're the uh, the super rugby champions. Oh, go Canterbury. Take did, down did you watch the games? I did. Uh, lots of local news today, so let's crack on with the, the triathlon news. Okay, I'm talking proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Exhale. Oh, and if you want to kind of measure your performance and your training, you can do that through Exhale. And our patrons. And it's name a couple, John. Now, first one, Simon the Official Marshal. That is... <laughs> a great nickname. A great nickname. <laughs> But we're interviewing someone called Simon Marshall in the next uh, week or two who wrote the book that you've started oh, reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if it's the same one. If it is, great work, Simon. Uh, do you think it is? Yes. Yes, good work, Simon. You're a legend. M- M- Melissa Bigfoot Uri? She d- <laughs> That's kind of ironic we gave her that nickname as well. I don't know why we gave her that name, Big- Bigfoot, but remember we interviewed her doing the Epic yep. Five yep. and she did get big feet and had to cut her shoes out. We we are geniuses. There's really no denying it. And Andy, Big Mac McMillan. Because he eats lots of McDonald's. He loves, he loves a Big Mac. Okay, John, in this week's show, we've got lots of news. We've got a discussion of the week. got a good discussion coming up this week, actually. Uh, stats. I think we may have done this one in the past. I think we have, but it's kind of prompted by John's ITU update. Okay, well, we'll go into that in a second. And then we've got an interview with Ian Hallimans. So we've all heard of John Hallimans. Who's Ian Hallimans, John? She is a nutritionist who has been... Involved in high performance sport in New Zealand for a long time because obviously she was had her husband who was a very well performed triathlete at an elite level and then age group level and then she's been involved in you know triathlon New Zealand and different sports. She's also been uh, lecturing at Otago University, which is one of our well, we've got sort of two premier um, sports me- medicine universities in New Zealand. So very well qualified lady to talk about some nutrition. And uh, are we going to be end up hearing more debates about nutrition after this interview? Possibly, but we're, I'm trying to focus in on a couple of topics. And then in terms of when we were in Rote and they di- they said they were diluting the sports drinks down a bit because it was going to be a lot hotter. So they said, you know, you guys are going to be drinking a lot more um, fluid out there. So we're going to dilute them so you'll still be getting the same amount. I didn't know that, but okay, yeah. Yep, well, they did do that. That was one of the things that I found out at the race briefing that went on for a long time oh really and uh, and so we're going to talk a bit about the dilution of sports drinks and how important that is um, a little bit about training your stomach um, to handle race day nutrition and then we will talk about some general nutrition sort of stuff as well so the debate will continue Ian does come from the probably the academia side where we'll find out later on 
Okay, uh, we've also got website of the week, and we've got a couple of weeks ups coming up, and some questions and answers, and winger of the week at the end. Okay, John, we had Norseman coming on the weekend, and I tell you what, that guy dominated the dojo, didn't he? Beat the course record. Now I don't know what the old course record was. I watched the video, but did they have what the old course well, record I looked was last year? And it was sort of over ten hours. So I'm not sure if anybody's been under the ten hour barrier before. But uh, yeah, it was a dominating performance. And if you go, it looked like they had um, really good live coverage all day long. Yeah. Right? From from what I could see. Well, based on this video, it looks like it's been yeah. And then you kind of I saw something on Facebook that showed the beginning of the swim as well. So I'm wondering if they did have coverage all day through the all all the way through the the the. the the race, um, but cool Irish commentator. He was really getting excited. Yeah, he was about great, it. wasn't it was, he? Uh, it was so in this good. race, the one thing that it showed on the video was that the male winner who who did like nine. What was his time? Nine fifty two ten. Lars Critchus Christensen. So. He had people running with him the whole way. So are you allowed to do that, are you? Well, you certainly, uh, th- this was something that I was going to bring up, is you certainly, you always say you have a guide who takes you with your, or a running partner. Um, but yeah. Is I was that gonna, for the whole marathon or is it just the mountain section? Mm, or is the whole marathon the mountain section? I'm not quite sure of the answer no, neither, of that one. Neither. But uh, I certainly know in Alaska Man, I think it was the last section, and that was on a little while ago. Because they often do that with the, mulch, the, the long marathon, certainly they? Like the Terrier, isn't it, that one up north? I think you can have teams of people coming in for Yeah, that. or you can get someone to meet you with 10k to go or something like that, yeah. Mm. So that was something that really um, surprised me a bit, because yeah, when Lars Christensen crossed the line, he had probably, what, five or six guys with him? Yeah, um, And least. I wonder what the rules are. And they've been running up to it, because they showed footage earlier on mm. with him, with that group. So been for a while. It wasn't just like the last hundred meters. I'm sure the rules are the same for everybody, but it yeah. was just something interesting that I thought it would be so much easier running up when you've got a team of people encouraging you, giving oh, would you nutrition. Or would it be annoying? Uh, I think you need to. Like it was interesting when we were watching that, that Nike two hours, mm-hmm. and you know there was a moment where you, he just couldn't quite make it, mm-hmm. and you could tell all the guys around him were going, "Come on, come on." He couldn't give it more. <laughs> yeah. He was giving his best. Yeah. And, and, you know, like sometimes it's, I think you'd want to train the people around you to teach them how I work when I'm really tired and fatigued because I actually don't like people yelling at me, come on, come on, you know, mm. maybe be present with me, maybe be a bit of encouragement, but I wouldn't want that kind of, you can do it kind of stuff mm. in that moment. Mm. Mm, so it'd be interesting to think about, if, especially if you guys are going to do that sort of event, because it, uh, I looked at the, the female and Nevin when she crossed the line and she only had one person with her. So yeah, it's just it's something to think about. But he crushed it. He went 51 minutes swim, uh, 5.04 on the bike and a 3.50 on the run for total time 9 hours 52.10 new course record and uh, beat another Norwegian fella Alan Hovda uh, I think when I looked last year Lars who won the race was third and then Jordan Rapp was in third place this year in 10.09 uh, he really lost it on the swim and the bike he swam 55 which is the same as what a lot of the guys swim but this, the guy who won Lars Christensen swam 51 so smoked those guys there and then uh, Jordan Rapp only rode 5.19 so that sort of puts Lars's bike performance into perspective assuming Jordan's in good shape because Jordan is an ex-cyclist mm, and then but he came home with a with the looks like the fastest run of the day with a 3.48 so well paced race and he's certainly the little footage of Jordan Rapp when he was finished he looked like he was uh, pretty smoked it was quite cool the video if you get a chance go Jim on their website and I'll put a link to it in the show notes okay. uh, the, the people who crossed the finish line it, it was that happy fatigue you see all that you see eh? yeah it's just a different when you're going uphill you're still maxing out it's just different when you're on the flat you can kind of just egg yourself on you can really push that last mm. couple of hundred metres when you're going up. <laughs> 
well, it's different. different the, the guy, Lars, he literally hit the L shape running, didn't he? Yeah. The, the reverse L, you know, he was bending over like you wouldn't believe. Girl side of things, Anne Nevin from Norway took it out in 12.04.18 for a 12-minute victory over Meredith Hill from Australia. And Kristen Lee from Norway in third in 12.31. Okay, also uh, we had Ironman, how do we say this one? Say Maastricht mm-hmm. and uh, in the Netherlands. And Michael Weiss took it out in quite a comfortable win, uh, about five minutes over Michael Van Cleven and Bastidern. It did. So Michael Weiss uh, had his predictably slow swim, swim 56 minutes, but uh, pulled himself back into the game with a 4.31 and then ran a bloody impressive 2.45 for 8.18. And uh, yeah, solid one. 2,000 points in the bank and 8,000 bucks US prize money. Uh, Harry Wiltshire, who seems to be racing all over the bloody place, was in fourth place. Uh, Girls side of things, Salenta Castro... Noregua from Spain swam 51, rode 5.24 and ran 3.14 for a 9.37 win over Brooke Brown from Canada and of course we had to have a palm on the podium because the females from Great Britain are just dominating everywhere so Kate Combat finished third in 9.55 I've say, if it's a female you should enter this race as a pro because nothing against Annabelle Harrison Diewall mm-hmm Diewall from Germany, she did it at 11.42 and still got paid 1500 bucks US. Nice <laughs> so, so that's a, that's probably, uh, that's a good question. What's the slowest a pro can do to make money? Because that's probably well, one of the you, slowest races that a pro can do to make money. There was, I was thinking about this earlier today. We had an email and I might bring it up next week um, around female, male you know, equality. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've got some rebuttal on that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think there should be a 10% rule in there. It's just a... Yeah, because she she was two, two hours five minutes behind the winner. And so if you do if you, if you if you're racing against a, on the guys side of things, if you did an eight hour Ironman, take ten percent of that. I think it was eight eight forty eight or, or that sort of ballpark. And in this race, actually eight forty nine was uh, the last prize money, so he would have missed out by uh, by a minute or so. Oh, no, actually, because the winner was uh, eight eighteen, so he would have been fine. Um, but on the girls side of things, yeah, don't think she would have uh, quite qualified. So I do think the having a quality control on the pros would be a, a good idea. And also, how many age groupers would have beaten that time? Quite a few, mm. you know, and so... So on the male side, Michael Weiss, uh, according to Torsten, should have secured a Kona slot, as well as Harry Wiltshire, who finally managed to have a good result after a DQ at Ironman UK two weeks ago and a DNF at Zurich just one week ago. There you go. There we go, okay. Um, John's ITU update. Gomez is not done yet. Bevan, you said he should focus on Ironman. I still I, think he I, should. I said, and, and, and have he agreed with me? No, we'll stick with uh, the short course focus. He won the first, uh, was it the first round? He won, the, he won a round early in the season. I think it was in uh, Abu Dhabi. And now he's come along and crushed it. He really did, didn't he? I watched the clip this morning, just yep. the kind of highlights and jeepers, creepers. So this was in Montreal. And it was a good, a, it was the first time in a long time that I've actually actually sat and watched a whole two hours. Well, I had the iPad going while I was working. It was great timing for New Zealand. It started at 5.30 in the morning, so I had it up and uh, just had it plugging away for, for two hours. I spoke to a guy that I was coaching in uh, Norway. What about the rugby? Sorry? That no, was on Monday. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, he said, oh, how's my Norwegian dude going? I said, oh, he's just missed the group. Oh, no, he's ridden back up the group. So <laughs> uh, so Norway was happy. They had uh, got second place as well. But Gomez, just, it was just the perfect race for him. And Brown, Brownlee blew up on the run. Um, Jonathan Brownlee, he's not quite all right at the moment. But they got a breakaway on the bike and just drilled it. There was, I don't know, seven, eight, no, nine of them, something like that. And uh, and they just drilled it, put a minute into the, the chase group. And they were chasing hard, but the, the front group was well organized, pacing it out. And then Gomez. Uh, ran with Brownlee and Blumenfeld, the Norwegian, for the first 3K, and then there was a little uphill incline, and he just dropped the hammer and put a can of whoop ass under those boys really? and just uh, took off and plain sailing from there on in so it looked like a very satisfying win because like most of us like you know we we're kind of going oh you're a bit long in the tooth probably yep. should be focusing on long distance and he is he's focusing on 70.3 and that's his big target for the season um but yeah, to still be able to win those races and that was a quality field granted he didn't have to run against the runners they were a minute behind but having said that, they, they didn't they didn't yeah. take any time out of him on the run. Uh, so very very good. Performance. And Richard Murray ran up to third. Mm, he mm. did. Um, well, it's different when you're running up. You know, he might have if he'd been running for the win, he maybe could have gone a little bit quicker. But Gomez was uh, in a class of his own. Very impressive and oldest winner of all time in a WTC. Uh, sorry, an ITU race, and he was 34 years old in this race. I wonder what their last one was. I think, well, they were talking about it on the show. It might have been Bevan Doherty, or it might have been. It would have been Brown. It would have been him earlier in the season. Yep. Um, I think, or it would have been close between him and Bevan Doherty. Okay, uh, Brownlee's out for a while. He's having a hip, wasn't it? Hip injury. Yeah, Alistair Brownlee. So no seventy point three Worlds showdown there. That would have been interesting between him and Gomez at uh, the seventy point three Worlds. So. God, you've got to think Gomez will be the raging hot favourite. Although we did have a few other results in the weekend. When, Tim, when Tim, are they? Uh, they're in about sort of three or four weeks okay. in, in September time. We did have some um, some 70.3 results from the weekend, and it was good to see Tim Reid. Looks like he's in fine form, so he took out the 70.3 in the Philippines. Tim Don did one as well, didn't he? Tim Don won uh, elsewhere as well. So Tim Reid beat a pretty good quality field there. Uh, came home in 354. Uh, on the girls' side of things, you had uh, Amelia Wilkinson take out out the girls race uh, over in the Netherlands you had uh, we've talked about Michael Weiss winning there uh, and then as you said Bevan 70.3 Boulder you had Tim Don taking it out from Matt Sharabot and Ben Hoffman and Janine Seymour taking it out from Leslie Smith and Alicia Kay. So just in the ITU girl side of things? Girl side I'll put the heater on it's a bit cold. It is we've got yeah. a guest coming in shortly yeah. so we've got to got to warm it up. Uh, the girl side of things was um Torsten, you didn't you didn't include the girls uh, for seventy point three, but uh, no for for Montreal. But the winner was Ashley Gentle. She took it out uh, fairly comfortably on the run, sort of put in a fantastic run. Flora Duffy, to the surprise of many, did not break away on the bike, but just wasn't feeling it. But really showed her class by still being the second fastest runner on the day. And then Andrea Hewitt uh, was in third place. A good result for the Kiwis in third. And then we had Ryan Sissons finished eighth or ninth on the guys. Okay, so. Just about Brownlee, what do you think this means for his career? Like, it seems, is it a good move that gives him a few more years? I've got no idea. <laughs> but it, it, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I haven't really thought about that. But as long as he comes back, he'll be in, as long as it doesn't affect his form, he'll be back. He's still got plenty of good years in him. He's still the young fella. His athletic age is, you know, he's been around for, for quite a while. But Jeepers, is, is, you know, I, I think he'll be absolutely fine. He'll smoke it. 
when he him and Gomez go at Ironman, that'll be that'll be a fascinating race because you got Brownlee who, you know, has had the odd explosion, and then uh, Gomez who is your ultimate consistent performer. I just think it'll be a brilliant race. Well, he's twenty nine now. But one thing I have heard through the grapevine, John, through some... This is purely gossip pure. and speculation. Yeah, but you say that, but we always do that. Funny <laughs> you, when I do it, you pull it up, but we always do this as part of the show. But I have heard through gossip and speculation that he doesn't actually enjoy the long course that much. He's not really... like that his, doesn't his, his dipping, dipping yeah. his feet into it's actually not that stimulating for him so far. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, He's still going to do an eye, man. Well, you'd think so, but if, yeah. he, doesn't, if he doesn't love it... Mm. He, might not do, he might not do multiple, but... Or he might be one of those guys like a, you know, some athletes who, you know, I don't love it. Why would I do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and so they'll go on to different things. Like from what I've heard through speculation and gossip is that he's kind of a guy who's pretty deep and he, he wants to, you know, he's someone who's looking for a challenge in life. And if he's not challenged by the enjoyment of it, we may not see him in Iron Man for long. Mm. Like I hope that's not right. But, you know, if he doesn't enjoy it, you know, who knows? So that um, biggest piece of news of the week. Oh, huge! huge. We should have led with it, John. We should have led with it. The New Zealand Triathlon Olympic distance champs are coming to Christchurch, and somebody in this room, either Bevan or myself, is a race director. Yes, it's my first time race director. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if you are a keen Olympic distance athlete, or a short course athlete, or an, in fact an athlete of any distance in New Zealand, come on down because it is a humdinger of a course. So, wait a second. Is this your race? Yeah, we were, so we ran the race there last year. The city just got it. No, no, it's at Corsia Bay. Oh, okay. So anybody who came down for the Camp Kiakaha um, training camp for our 10-year anniversary, swim, obviously it's just, well, it's just a, a sea swim, but then you come out of the swim and you have this really tough run up to the car park, you get onto your bike, and then you've got a bloody tough, um, I don't know, maybe two... 200, 200 meters oh, or so to tough. get up to the main road and it is steep it is small chain ring you've got to have a plan because it's steep you either go i'm keeping my feet on top of my pedals and i'm just going to grunt my way up or i'm going to put my shoes on and transition but it's a it's a tricky ride to get up to the main road and then it's 40 k's of hills there's a there's a, there's a stretch of flat in the middle which is how long would you say that'd be maybe 5k yeah maybe 5k of flat yeah. in the middle the rest is basically hills it is a fantastic course and then the run is a little mixture of trail pavement hills it is the best olympic distance race anywhere in the world anywhere in the world yeah Any- it is a when is it it's on January the 28th, so you can look at it at CorsiaClassic.com, uh, and great preparation if you're doing Wanaka, great preparation if you're doing Ironman New Zealand, good timing, and also Kiwis and Aussies, etc. World Champs are in Gold Coast next year, so it is the qualifying race for New Zealand to get oh, okay. in there. And also, the greatest triathlon in the world. Exactly. So. But it is going to be very old school, it's very basic, it's like you turn up, you get in a good race... It's not all that bling and you're not going to get Corsia Classic tattoos or, oh. you know, five million different things in your race pack. It's you can't coming down here to good, a good, honest race. And you've got to wear Speedos because it's old school. Could be, yes. Yeah, boys in the Speedos and the old crop tops. That's true. The crop yeah. tops were cool. They were. If you were fit. Yeah. You know, the crop, top, the crop tops are like one of those fashion things that if you've got a mint body, it is cool. Yeah. But there's no there's no two percent off a mint body that you can put it off. If you've yeah. got it, you know, you had too many pies, haven't done much training. No, that spear tire flopping no, it over. It does not look good in the crop top for a for a guy. Anyway, uh, coming up this weekend, we've got Ironman Hamburg happening, and uh, Torsten so is going to be on site. That's where he's from, so he is going to oh. be out there. 
and about. So if you want to get meet Torsten, go to tryrating.com, pop him a note. I'm sure he'll be keen to say hello. It's $80,000 race, a 2,000 pointer. James Carnamar. We haven't heard his name in a while, have we? Uh, no. No, decline now. I'm sorry. Someone's FaceTiming me. <sighs> God, not acceptable. Not uh, James Carmo is a top seed. He is predicted to come in an 8.21 ahead of Guilo Molinari from Italy and Michael Weiss, but he's got an asterisk next to his name, so chance of him racing in two weeks is probably pretty slim. That was probably his backup plan. Jan van Berkel and Michael Raylert. Mm, Can right. this dude do what he's done over half Ironman distance? Because at times, when he's fit and humming, he is crushing it at the half distance but has yet to really show what he's capable of doing over the iron distance his predicted time on the run is 2.59 and he is a fantastic runner so that's what's happening on the guys side of things uh, they've got about 30 odd uh, guys racing on the girls side of things you've got Eva Wooty who's the top seed Daniela Seymour from Germany is the number two seed and Kirsten Moller th- third seed and you've got around about uh, 10 girls listed but a whole bunch of them have got asterisks because they've potentially been racing within the last seven days or so We've also got Challenge at Regensburg coming up, and uh, if we look at the profile there, it's it's oh no, decent size. John Raphael. Yep. Uh, this now that we were in Regensburg, so we actually got to go and swim at this venue. Did you swim that day or not? Yeah. Yep. yep. So yep. Same we did those little races, and it, I just about died. Yep, so yeah. we had a, it's a nice little venue, uh, really nice lake. You did a couple of laps in, uh, uh, of the swim, and then the bikers around the countryside. We did a, we did the old course, so we haven't checked out their, their bike course, but it is a full distance, and then they run, and the run will be great. It's all around town. I think you were, you were mentioning that as well, and you finish yeah. right in this, the heart of Regensburg. Beautiful town, so if you want to check this race out in future, do so. Jan Raphael's top seed. Chris Fisher from Denmark is second, and Pierre Bittner is seeded third, and then on Girls side of things, Diana Reisler, Erica Choma, she's still around. Yeah, I know, I saw and that. Simona Krinakova. Yes, so there you go. Okay, uh, and then uh, that's about it when we're coming up races. Special request from John. John, you've put this in the show notes for three weeks, so every week for the last three weeks I've put it in the show notes for the website. Oh, great. Yep, and uh, so John, got a, it's actually very, very well produced. Who produced it? A couple of young fellas. So I had the Sea to Sky Challenge back in April, and I've had a two-minute video clip uh, produced, and I did put it on our Facebook page a while ago, but if you guys can go on there onto our website, Click on the YouTube, click, have a watch, two minutes long, I just need to get the views up and it's just, it sh- shows where Bevan and I, as, is it your favourite run in Christchurch? I don't really, admittedly I don't run there a lot because it's a bit far away from me but I do love it, I wouldn't say it's my favourite run. But What's, what would your favourite run be? You know what? That would be my favourite, it's, it's, it's one of the most beautiful oh, runs you've ever run in the it world. It is beautiful, what would be my favourite run? I'll, get, I'll come back to you on that. But yeah, so no, it's, it's a two minute clip, I just need lots of people to watch course. it, share it, like it, comment on it. Uh, it would be fantastic. And if you want to come and do that one, it's in April. Apparently, it's the second best triathlon in the world. Oh, now you've got a problem, haven't you? Yes. What's, what's the best triathlon in the no, world, John? This one would be a bit better. Yeah, this is pretty cool. And uh, just the use of drones and videos have really changed the footage they can do nowadays, oh, isn't it? It's awesome. You know, look, it's such a cool produced video. So check it out. I'll put, oh, you crossed your city council. Sports yes. med. Oh, so, oh, nice. Get the yeah. likes up. Okay, so Joe, I'll, put, I'll put that in the last three show notes for the last three weeks, so you can't <laughs> go wrong. So check that out. What the hell is going on, John? Well, this, yeah, I'm not, this is certainly not a rant at all. This is a suggestion. I think they should open a mum's category, pro-mum's category. Because, because I just, something in the juice, isn't there, John? I cannot believe 
how many of our top female pros of the last couple of years are off having babies this year. And, uh, so the latest is Caroline Stephan is the latest pregnancy. Oh, and so you think, oh, this was the names that I came up with. Joyce's just had a baby, Marina Carfrey's pregnant, Caroline Stephan, uh, Liz Blatchford, I think, Mary Beth Ellis, um, Meredith Kessler, Jodie Swallow, Kananama, um, and Gina Crawford's just had her second one. If you look at those, that's two, four, five, six, seven, eight girls who would all be, in the last year or two, be top ten contenders in Kona. It's amazing. It's, you know... It is odd, isn't it? Because I don't think we've ever had a moment oh, like that. You always, it's just life, you know, you get the... <laughs> no, no, but I mean, there. like, in, in the time we've been doing a show, we haven't no. had a period where lots of female pros get pregnant around the same time. Yeah, it's crazy. Maybe Especially it. when it's uh, they're non-Olympians. Like, with the Olympians, like, um, Gwen Jorgensen, you kind of, they plan, they sort of plan it um, mm. to be, you know, between Olympic cycles. But for the iron distance girls, you know, Kona's there every year. So, yeah, let's lobby ITU to, not ITU, WTC to have the uh, the mums category in there as well. So how would you race differently? Do you have to take the kid around like the Hoyts? Yes, <laughs> I like know. it. Yeah, <laughs> the, Hoyts, the Hoyts classic, bring up the kids. Yeah. Okay, so John, one other cool thing you got here is why do Americans need wetsuit strippers? Now, this is it just seems odd to me. At, at American races, you always have wetsuit strippers. We don't have that in New Zealand. And, and at most races I've done overseas... Don't have it either. No, I think I have had a race where I did. I can't remember where it was. It was so really why good. Why do you need everything done for you? It was pretty do cool. Do it yourself. I oh, know it's a pretty you cool. Sit on your ground, they just pull it off you. Yeah, but you got to do it yourself. It's an individual race. I don't know. That was just one thing that came. There was two things that just came. I just saw them on Facebook, and I was and, like, and what the last hell? one's gold. So they've got well. So there's a race called Run. Run it's a series. Revel. Run Revel. Dot com. com, and it's basically a downhill marathon race. But it's not one; it's a, it's a series. And these look scenic. They look beautiful. You run down Mount Lemmon as one of them. And so how fast? Five thousand feet. It's a lot of meters. Is it? Yeah, you can do your conversion, but it's a lot of meters. You're running down a mountain. I'm going to put my conversion. And I was like, seriously, this is a bit of a gimmick. Fair enough. But then there's a whole series of them. Who would want to do a downhill running race? Well, what's what I find a little bit... One foot is a three... Okay, so 5,000 feet is 1,500 metres mm. downhill over a marathon. But the, where I'll have a rant about this one, John, is you're allowed to qualify for Boston mm. doing this race. Madness. Now, to me, that seems highly unfair. Because, <laughs> yeah. because like, they've got here, oh, you know, what was one of the ones I read? There was, oh, they must change the post. But one of the posts was like, oh, I qualified for Boston. It was a 10-minute PB. No wonder you ran that all the way. <laughs> and so for those who are aiming to get to Boston, now, I don't think it's an easy marathon. I think your leg's going to be pretty beaten you're up running down. You'll be pretty smoked. But still, you are running downhill. I just find it bizarre Look, these look yeah, beautiful. I got a 10 minute PB and qualified for Boston by 29 minutes. No wonder you did your end It just seems bizarre that a series like this would exist. And as I said, they look beautiful and that's what they're really marketing, and they are. I have zero motivation to run downhill 42Ks. Can't be good for your knees. No. You know, even if you've got good downhill running technique, it's still hard on the knees. Yeah. Anyway, that just that was just something bizarre that I saw this week. I wonder how popular it is. Let's have a look. There wasn't many. The one that I looked at, there was only, there was not that many finished the, the marathon. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, well, you, I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Runrevel.com. Okay, John, let's talk about a sponsor. Yeah. We've got a jingle, John. We have got a, a jingle. jingle, John. Yeah. Is that somebody at our door? We should have stopped. <laughs> we'll <be laughs> in a second. 
We are back, John, and we're going to do a sponsor, but we've, we've actually just had an interview, but we're back because it's a magical podcast and we're, we can do things that way. John, we're going to talk about... Um, exhale. Exhale, and we're going to put a jingle in now. So that's what I do. I've come back just to put a jingle in. You have. Here we go. Train Exhale is a triathlon-specific coaching and training platform created by triathletes for triathletes. Save your training for race day with Train Exhale. The jingle is done. The jingle is done. Check it out, uh, train X with the, the letter exhale.com. Uh, and cool thing with what they can do on there, it's basically keeping all your training in one place. You can overlay different training sessions. So for example, if you do you know five by one K one week and then you do it again, you know. Uh, Which is quite cool because you often do repeat sessions for a block. Oh, don't absolutely. You? You know, yeah. Or a set of hill reps and you compare all that data. Likewise when you're doing races. Uh, and also pricing wise, if, if pricing point for you guys is an issue, then these guys it's only Two ninety nine euros or four dollars seventy nine a month or four euros uh, two pounds ninety nine a month or four seventy nine euros four forty nine euros or four seventy nine dollars so it's bloody cheap service keeps all your training in one place so check it out trainexhale.com and they do have a thirty day free trial good times rock and roll okay John last week's discussion we had a really good discussion last week with basically what are the, some of the cringe worthy moments that we've seen from the pro athletes. Over the years in the sport, and um, we do have some pretty good ones here. So, John, you, um, I'm just I'll kick off with Lucy, Lucy Francis. I saw this one on TV. Norman, Norman Stadler in Kona throwing a tantrum when he got a flat because of too much glue. Oh, uh, if I had a mechanic putting my bike together, I would be with them watching everything and asking questions. That was pretty entertaining. That was pretty good. Okay, um, I'm going to go into Sam Tompkins, and he's got Steve Bayless at Challenge Henley, not stopping to use the portaloo and pooing whilst running. I've never heard of that one. He won, though, so good on him. His white tri shorts didn't quite hold it very well. That's a good reason not to wear white. Never wear white. And and, and then Ben's got Ben, how do you say that one? Palasa, maybe. Um, Freddie Van Leer did the same at Alex in Province, 70.3 in 2014. I shouted, well done, as he ran past me, then almost choked on the smell. <laughs> That's not good. Ken McLaren up in Hawke's Bayway. He's got a couple here. It's going back in the memory banks, but I think these are correct. Jürgen Zach lost a few minutes in T1 in Kona one year because his helmet had flicked off. Uh, Kenny Souza got hypothermia in the Zoffing- Zoffingham duathlon, wearing too few clothes on the course that went over mountains. Kenny Souza, he was a duathlete, but he always wore speedos and a tiny single as you said and he was a rake of a guy yep. and so he, he was, could pull it off he could he had the big long mane big tiger yeah here yeah. and uh yeah good good pin-up go f- guy for for magazines but yeah going to zoffingen yeah chance of getting average weather are pretty high uh an american woman pro put her run shoes on and bike shoes in the wrong bags at oh, ironman new zealand no. when it was it used to be a split transition actually i got to melina a bit of a hard time here when he went to the wrong start line when he did the buller oh really yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah I think he was doing the marathon and he went to the half marathon start yeah or something vice versa um we've got roman um, Ben, I'm going to say Benham. Uh, I don't know the background to this, but wasn't it the legend Andrea Hewitt swam without goggles in the salt water at the Rio Olympics? She still came out in front. That's probably a strategy, wasn't it? Yes, and there's a picture there, Soren Berengard Vrist. He's actually put the picture up there. I think Andrea tweeted it saying, uh, the moment I thought, no, I don't need goggles today. Lauren always smiled. So she's from a surf life-saving background. So as you said, that was tactical. I used, I used to swim 
almost all the way through my so just sort of semi pro career. Goggles and Surf Life Saving? Often they don't, or you certainly can't. Some some do, some don't. But I, the first at least five years of my triathlon career, I never wore goggles. Is that hard on your eyes? Uh, you just deal with it. You kind of just close your eyes when your head's underwater, and you d- uh, it was never a problem for I me. Suppose when you go swimming at the beach, you don't put goggles on, do you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, that was tactical. Adrian Fui Fui Moy, got to be Peter Reed's bike mount slash bottle launching at Rote, plus Norman Sadler's mount down. Uh, mind you, these are two of my all-time favourites athletes, so maybe there's something in that flawed superstar that's appealing. I've got to agree, the Peter <laughs> Reed one at Rote has got to be my number one. This one is gold. Well, Peter, yeah, that's pretty gold, although this one may top it. So Arnold Slivikov, Slivikov, I always get his name wrong. Slivikov. Slivikov, okay, got it. Two years ago in Kona, in our pre-race bag, we got a dishwashing soap sample that was packaged as a gel. No kidding. And you had to read it carefully to understand that it was not nutrition. Two months later at Laguna Phuket Tri, didn't you do that race, John? Yes, I did. Uh, I was racing with the great Jürgen Zak when I saw him spitting and literally foaming after his swallowing the gel dishwashing thing. He did finish though, so he actually didn't understand oh, and had it in the race. Ooh. That is gold. Old Swanny, no, Richard Swan, all those pros that went out and led by miles off the bike, forgetting there was a marathon to run, so they exploded and then pulled out. Some professionals seem to label themselves as triathletes, despite the fact they pull out of every Ironman they started. Haldell Tovin's gone given Lance Armstrong a bit of a kick. Yeah, one time there was this guy called Lance Armstrong and he wanted to make a second career in Ironman, but then went on TV and admittedly he'd been, admitted that he'd been doping and got banned for life. Who would have guessed? It's interesting, actually, because Usain Bolt's just retired and they had a, there's a kind of a thing on the paper or kind of going around the internet right now of the, the, the 50 best mm. 100s of all time and... He's basically got the top 10 because everyone else has been done for cheating. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a bit of a Lance Armstrong one, that it one. Is. Yep. Tom Ward, third place pro at 70.3 Weymouth last year. Light-coloured shorts plus gastric issues plus hanging on for third equals some sketchy but lasting race memories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes you cringe. For white here, pro males and females drafting an age group on the age group athletes in Ironman Barcelona last year and then walking on the run. Yeah, that's disgraceful. How now, Brown Cow, Dolphin, um, saw the leading pro at Switzerland 70.3 a few years ago. He took a sharp right turn to head into a little marina instead of going straight on to the swim finish. Oh! Good old David Rowe. This is a great picture okay. by David Rowe. Yeah, it really is. Oh, because the bike's still yeah, going. It's like a horse, isn't it? And there's a there's a clip. Uh, someone else has put a clip up here as well. So James Botel, go to our Facebook page, and there's a clip on there that is from the ITU race in London. I'm pretty sure it's London, and it would have been sort of pre-Olympics. And there's just a calamity. It's a female race. This is this is only a few years ago. 2019 um, pro race at before London sort of warm-up event. And there's just one thing after the other. I think somebody sees something happen and all of a sudden they get thrown off and uh, some, then the next person crashes and then someone else a few bikes down does something different and can't get on their bike. And then there's a picture that um, David Rowe managed to catch. he was there. Yeah, and it's uh, Jodie... Simpson. Stimpson. And she <laughs> missed mounting her bike and her bike <laughs> is going, going along by itself. It's up vertically and she's just on her back. It's a great photo. It looks like one of those horse races when the guy goes off the horse yes. and then the horse just keeps on going, but it's a bike and it's, it's a perfect photo, isn't it? Okay, Lucy Francis has got, didn't Jan Fredino keep his swim skin on for the bike in the first time in Kona? Is that right? 
I don't know, but then there's another one here, um, Ed Hawkins saying John Newsom and Rasmus Henning not taking their swim skin off, so maybe it was Rasmus Henning. Yeah, maybe. Steph Taylor has got, didn't see myself, or this is myself of course, but hunted down the chip, the clip of, after listening to Legends. Now what video is that, John? Let's have a look. Maybe that's Peter Reid. Maybe Peter Reid. I'm just pulling it up here on YouTube. Oh no, yes. it's, yeah, oh. Yeah, how not to mount a bike. Yeah, it's Peter yes, Reid. It Peter Reed. Yeah. That is go. gold. It is gold. Okay, yes, John. So let's count up. So he's, he's trying to jump on there. He misses first time. He goes down to his knees. And then he's jumping. He's going to go again. He's, he's on one of those soft ride bikes. This time he's not going to try the jump. He just sort of tries to put his leg over and he can't. And then he's fallen off the back again. This time he's almost down on his face. His bottle's gone off the side. His bike's on the ground. He's run to go and get it. He's back on his bike. I think he misses again. No, this time he's on, and he's he's away, but he's not doing a very good job of getting his feet in. Gold. <laughs> I'm just a, I'm a little bit behind you. The second fall is absolute, it's like a Laurel and Hardy. Oh, oh it's absolute gold. <laughs> there you go. The Best only, ever. The only other ones that I had, and not so much, the reason this came up was the guy, um, Bert Whistle, who last weekend in the ITU race miscounted the number of yeah, laps that's on right, a run, yeah. and he yeah. was on fire um so the only other couple that i had are not so much blunders in terms of just brain explosions not getting it right they're more ex- energy explosions and i was thinking of the you know like the crawl off in, in kona between wendy ingram and sham welsh and then there's another one that wasn't very well publicized or well, because it's so old it was bianca van wosik i think it was and i, I don't think even know it about was it. I think it was a 91 world champs. And this is only Olympic distance. And she was coming down the finishing chute and she was just swerving all over the place, banging into the barriers and eventually got there. I think she was in inside the top 10. Um, but those weren't so much errors. They were just um, ex- energy explosions. I can't really think of any others. Any, any really obvious ones? I still think Peter Reid just takes the cake. Yeah, Peter Reid does take the cake. Well, maybe some flat tyres in Kona. Mm. People who like, yeah, people who... Kind of took so long, but yeah. Okay, John. This week's discussion, we've got a great int- uh, email through. How do you say that last name, John? Ian. Oh, should I do the apple? Blake Lock. You reckon Blake Lock? Let's Blake see what Lock. Apple says. Blake Lock. Lock. There you go. Uh, is it? Is it? Okay. So just kind of, what do we consider cheating? Is it we're just with a. It's a drug, or if it's on the banned list, or is popping pills or supplement okay as long as they are not banned, or do you focus purely on good training and good food, real nutrition? Clearly, caffeine is a drug and performance enhancing, but not banned. Taking uh, no dose pills mid race seems a step further than consuming drink with caffeine, or is it? Popping pills and powdered supplements artificially manufactured, what's the real difference between them and the ones that are on the banned list? So basically, he's really asking, and he, he loved the road shows, which thanks for the but basically what do we consider cheating in terms of nutrition from a nutritional standpoint of view mm. or something you consume not nutrition something you consume because it is a fine line isn't it it is we'll it's find a, out what everybody thinks it's a fine line between pleasure and pain okay john we're going to talk a little bit about it's statistic it's fantastic this is going to be a quickie yep. because, as Bevan said, we may have had it we once have before. Done it. We have done it. <laughs> and the reason we may have done it before is because Torsten even wrote a post on it for us. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but in light of celebrating Javier Gomez proving Bevan wrong that he should be still doing ITU No, distance, because I don't know why he's here. He's going to make the Olympics. And he's winning races. Uh, he was the oldest ITU athlete to win a World Series race. I thought, what, what about... What, Kona, what happened in Kona and who's the oldest there? Plug that into Google to see if I could find the answer. And the thing that comes up, uh, ages of 
Kona winners on tryrating.com. On the recent I Am Talk podcast <laughs> episode, Bevan and John started a discussion so we, around we how old athletes were when they win Ironman. John gave me a research project, which he went off and completed. So we'll just touch this quickly. But the oldest winner was... Craig Alexander uh, in terms of a Kona win we're not talking an Ironman win because we know that I think Cameron Brown probably has the record for that at yeah, the moment maybe someone think. give us that for next week and girls because girls would be older it would be yeah so uh, when he won in 2011 Craig Alexander was 38 and also Natasha Badman when she had her last one I can't quite see from the image exactly what year that was but she was the oldest female winner must be 38 uh, as well because it's pretty 38 much in mind, as yeah. well so then the other interesting thing John is we just kind of geek out on Dawson's great right right up here is the youngest well he's even got that yeah so the the Pontos so what is it Sylvian Pontos was 22 Scott Tinley was the youngest male at 25. 25. I wonder if that's still accurate. Probably is. Uh, Dave Scott's first win was at 26. Mark Allen's six wins stand out. Paul and Newby Fraser's wins were spread over 10 years. Natasha Badman took six wins over seven years. Uh, and the youngest recent sort of winners were Faris Sultan 27 and Miranda Carfrey 29 in 2010. Now that doesn't account for the last couple of years, but... Given that's been Frodo and yeah. uh, Reef, Reef, I think they're a little bit older than that. Uh, do you ever think we'll see an um, early twenties winner again? Oh yeah, def- there's definitely potential for that to happen, but they'd have to. Do you really think we will? Uh, yeah, like, like I'm sure there's, there's a. <laughs> it's a young person's sport these days, Bevan. The short not, course stuff. Not under twenty-five. Um, yeah, but no, I would not be surprised. Really? But I'm not saying it's going to happen, but uh, but I wouldn't be blown away. Okay, uh, John, we've got a great interview coming up. Uh, Ian Hallimans is a... She's about to drink her water that she didn't drink. Yeah, there you go. Well, you can drink it then because she, you, there's no germs there. But she is a, a, a sports nutritionist, um, worked in the academic field as a lecturer, as a researcher, as a you know high, highly qualified person herself. And uh, you're going to see pretty much in this interview why she's pretty great at what she does. So here is Ian Hallimans talking about sports nutrition in Ironman. Right, guys, you heard earlier in the introduction, um, we've got a special guest in today. You've heard uh, um, from John Hellman. He's been on our Legends of Triathlon podcast, and I think we've, he probably was cursing he's on the show. He's been on the show a couple of times, cursing me about taking him over to Hawaii for a camp. And, um, and today we've got his wife on, who you will have, would not have heard of before, um, but she's a very highly qualified and lady in nutrition, and she's been involved in high-performance sport with triathlon and with other sports. Um, so we're going to hear a bit more about uh, training your gut a little bit around long course racing and a few other bits and pieces. So welcome along to the show, Ian. Thank you. Thank you, John. Tell us a little bit about your sort of path to where you are now in terms of the work that you've done and um, and how it's sort of evolved over the goodness I've known you for oh God uh, <laughs> so one of my now is going to be getting cl- not quite 30 years but it's not that far off it's probably 25 uh, exactly. so how has your sort of career evolved and what have you been up to Okay, well, in a um, you know potted history, perhaps of my um, sports nutrition career, I, I studied as a dietitian in the Netherlands, and straight after my um, I qualified, uh, John and I came out to New Zealand, and um, I 
um, because I've always been involved in sport myself, in, in Holland I was a competitive swimmer and water polo player, and in New Zealand I took up running. Um, I knew from very early on that I wanted to um, specialize in sports nutrition. And when I first qualified, there was no training available in sports nutrition. So I attended sports medicine courses, read physiology books, and um, was pretty much self-taught. And I started in private practice um, when I had a young family, started part-time and, and slowly increased it. And over the years, I've primarily um, specialized in endurance sports nutrition and used those skills in my private practice working with endurance athletes. I, um, and also other athletes, but, but yeah, endurance athletes is, is what I, uh, endurance sport is what I enjoy most. And um, I've worked with a number of national teams in New Zealand. I was um, nutritionist for the Silver Ferns, that's a team sport, of course, netball. Um, and also New Zealand cycling, New Zealand swimming, and more recently, New Zealand um, triathlon. Um, in, the, in 2001, I got offered an opportunity to um, lecture at Otago University, and I moved to Dunedin and worked as a sports nutrition lecturer for seven years, um, and did a bit of research there as well. And now I'm back in Christchurch um, in my own private practice, so I see and a mix of, of the general public and um, athletes. I also had um, the privilege to be the uh, sports nutritionist for the New Zealand Olympic team going to Athens and mm -hmm. living in the village with, with the athletes, which was really a, a career highlight for me. And um, uh, that was part of my role with High Performance Sport New Zealand, um, which is the uh, national high performance sport agency that supports elite athletes. That must, what's the Olympic Village like for, from a nutrition standpoint? Because we see this stuff on the news and they, they have the lots McDonald's of different and McDonald's yeah. and all that stuff. Is, is it, does it work in terms of a nutrition standpoint, what they actually deliver, at least what you saw in Athens? Well, um, you know, the, the um, Olympics, of course, is highly uh, politicised and there's a lot of sponsors and uh, McDonald's is one of the sponsors, yeah. Coca-Cola is one of the sponsors, so their products are widely available in the dining hall. There's a lot of good food available and there's a lot of not-so-good food available. Mm. And so it's, it's quite an overwhelming experience for an athlete who goes there for the first time. The dining hall is the size of two football fields yeah. and there is every imaginable food that you can get. And, and perhaps especially for, for people that come from less developed countries, oh, you know, it, yeah. it's just an, a feast. And so they need a lot of um, self-control. And so the dining hall is only one of the distractions at the Olympics. There's a lot of distractions and it, it's, you know, and, and it's no surprise perhaps that uh, PBs are not um, um, so common at the Olympics compared with other world, world events. But yeah, it, it's, um, it, it was an amazing experience. And from a nutrition standpoint, I think it was very useful to have a nutritionist there um, just to help steer people in the right direction, to give them a dining hall tour and show them, um, you know, what is available, how, how best to choose for their sport. Um, after they finished competing, you know, we didn't care. They can go to McDonald's and, and so yeah. forth and, and have their Coke and their ice creams. But we were very strong on saying while you're, you know, in your competition phase, you, you've got to do the right thing in terms of nutrition. Now, I'm, I'm going a little bit off topic already, but, but, <laughs> but 
With elite athletes, you know, I think we often pin Olympic uh, elite level athletes up to, to having these amazing standards. They obviously train extremely hard. Yeah. Um, but just as a gross generalisation, are most of them very good with their nutrition or not? Maybe yeah, in terms of what you've seen. Um, I think people are people and, and, and there is a high level of individuality as to how serious people take n- nutrition. You know, you see that across the board. You mm. know, so some recreational athletes who are spot on with their nutrition, some elite athletes who, who don't care. Um, so I think I can't generalise, but, but um, certainly the elite athletes, the Olympic athletes have had the education and they know what's best to them. And by virtue of that, they are probably, if you kind of um, compare it with with others, they are probably a bit better. And I think athletes in general are better with their nutrition compared Mm. to the the general public. Yeah, but there there are athletes who, you know, Olympic athletes who who don't take diets. Nutrition seriously. Do you think there's also an aspect of it, and I know we're totally off topic here, but of an unhealthy level of concern with the nutrition? Oh, absolutely. There is now a condition called uh, orthorexia nervosa, which is about people, not just athletes, but people um, taking healthy nutrition so seriously that they um, really restrict restrict themselves and end up with an unhealthy diet. And that is a (laughs) well-recognized condition that is now um, included in the DSM, the the psychiatric um, manual as a condition. So, you know, there's a real balance with nutrition that that when we say something is bad for people, that they might take it too far and mm-hmm. and 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 t- take it to its extreme, and and that always seems to be um, an issue with nutrition. And I, you know, I'm I'm thinking now straight away of the high fat, low carbohydrate. I mean, we're eating too many processed carbohydrates, so we're saying to people reduce your intake of processed carbohydrate, and. I think partly as a result, people have now gone to the low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet. It's, it's kind of like a bit of a backlash, and mm. you, we often see that in nutrition. <coughs> and which, and it's, it's like in the 80s when there was no fat, so we exactly. kind of went to sugar, didn't they? You know, exactly. Of, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, we, we used to say um, too much fat, especially saturated fat, is not good for your health. It, 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 it promotes heart disease. And so um, people then started to cut out fat altogether, even the healthy fats. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So if we bring it back onto triathlon yeah, on and, and, and more sort of focus on the, the long course triathlon because it's a totally different uh, kettle of fish and we know that yes. race day nutrition is, is a real issue for, for a lot of people. So if someone sort of trundles along to you as a sports nutritionist and says, I go into a race and uh, I'm vomiting uh, on the run or I I just can't take anything in. What's your sort of process that you would go through with them to try to firstly figure out what the the problem might be? Well, the first thing I would do is ask them um, to describe as precisely as they can what they actually consume during an Ironman. And I look at... um, I calculate the amount of fluid and carbohydrates they consume during the event, and because that that can inform us up to a point. Because some people just have too much um, 
uh, fluid, too much carbohydrate, and that can cause gastrointestinal problems. Um, so I look at how they distribute that over the course. Um, I ask them about the environmental conditions of the race. And, and I also look at um, whether they consume protein and fat during the event. And um, I will also, and so that's the first step. And then I will also look at what they eat in the days leading up to the event, on the morning of the event. And, and also, um, yeah, particularly nutritional um, substances. And so if, if the amount and the distribution of um, carbs and uh, fluids seems to be all right, then I look at particular um, food components. And the ones that are most likely to um, contribute to gut issues are fiber, first mm -hmm. of all, um, uh, fructose, um, found in fruit and honey particularly, um, lactose found in cow's milk products and, and also fluid. If there is um, too little fluid, then um, you know the blood volume is reduced, the blood, blood supply to the gut is compromised, which is compromised anyway. When you're exercising, the blood is uh, diverted to the muscles and the skin because the muscles need oxygen and nutrients and the skin is the cooling organ. So that's where the blood goes, less blood available for the gut, so digestion is compromised already, dehydration exacerbates that. So that's kind of the process that I go through. We'll maybe go into that dehydration uh, in a moment because that hydration, um, getting that hydration balance is, is very, very difficult. We'll go into that in a moment. Um, so I gave you the example before we started of when we were at Challenge Rote and we, uh, the, the race briefing, they said, okay, we're going to be diluting the sports drink down um, by, I think it was 10% or something like that, to factor in, it's going to be a very hot day, you guys are going to be going through a lot more fluids and we want to make sure that then you're not overdoing the amount of carbohydrate you're taking in. So I guess my question is, is you know, when we get our sports nutrition or whatever drink you're getting, it might say put in two scoops for a serving. Um, how important is the, the the dilution of sports drinks? You know, um, obviously it, it comes in terms of the the quantities you're taking per hour. But do you need to follow the instructions, or are you more should you be more focused on? Right, I'm I'm pitching for 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. Does the dilution matter that much? Well, I think it does. Um, Sports drinks are designed to promote uh, stomach emptying and, and digestion. So they are designed at a carbohydrate concentration and electrolyte levels, especially sodium, um, relative to the fluid so that they pass through the stomach quickly and are, are absorbed quickly. And usually the carbohydrate concentration is in the vicinity of 5 to 7%. Per so uh, five to seven grams of uh, carbohydrate per 100 mils of um, fluid or 50 to 70 per, per liter. And if you suddenly dilute that, that's all very well. It might al allow you to, to drink more, although that is debatable based on what I've just said. You know, mm. those, those concentrations are fine for your gut um, to empty. But if you dilute it, the problem is that you reduce your carbohydrate content and so you need to then suddenly find another source of carbohydrate if you've worked out mm -hmm. how much carbs you need during the race and I tell you that most of the um, athletes that I see as soon as they start um, 
following a plan of the right carbo- amount of carbohydrate per hour and the right amount of fluid, which is a bit more individual, you know, it, it seems to work. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't go through the, through the um, um, bother of calculating their carbohydrate mm-hmm. and fluid needs. And I think that that is, is such a simple thing to do. Mm-hmm. And nutrition is on, on the whole, you know, under your control. There's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that's not under your control when you're rice, racing an Ironman. So the things that you can control, I think you owe it to yourself to control. And nutrition is one of those. One thing I, I experience, and this is more for runners, but the, 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 when you give them the formulas, they think it's too much. And, you know, and, and then so they resist taking on the amount of carbohydrate because they think, oh, I don't yeah. need it. Yes. You know, is that something you experience? Um, yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and, and there's always been this tendency for people to think, oh, the, the drinks, the sports drinks are too concentrated, we must dilute them. And that is a, that is a total misconception. And in actual fact, um, in, in more recent research, um, it has been found that if you push the carbohydrates up in an ultra-endurance event to, to 90 grams an hour, you know, we used to say 60 grams an hour or one gram per kilogram of mm. your body weight. But if you push it up to 90 grams an hour and you can tolerate that, that, that enhances performance. Mm. And there have been several studies over the years on Ironman um, uh, events looking at energy balance. And there is always been a correl- there's always seems to be a correlation between higher carbohydrate intakes and better performance. Now, I, I purposely say correlation because correlation does not prove cause and effect. So it's an association, you know, mm. but, but that seems to be quite strong. But then, of course, the thing is, how do you tolerate 90 grams of carbohydrate an hour? A lot of people struggle with that initially, and that's where the concept of training the gut comes in. And the gut is an athletic organ. Um, it's very important. It, 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 it responds to exercise, and I've already explained that, by it doesn't work as well. And uh, genetic factors have some role. Some people suffer more gut issues than, than others, so it's partly individual. But, but it has been found that you can train the gut and that's where you use training. You know, you use your training to increase the amount of carbohydrate and, and, and experiment with different types of carbohydrate. So it's a great topic there, is, um, and you're a broadcasting professional, so just bringing you, that you, in. You, for the you're taking our job away from us. <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> when you say training your gut, you know, um, are, you, are we talking, you know, once a week when you go out and do your, your big long session at the weekend, doing that on a weekly basis, you know, or do you need to be doing it, you know, several times a week taking in sports nutrition? Because I, I, I think there is a general movement to try to not have quite as much sports nutrition as we maybe had in the past. You know, I think in the, maybe in the 90s and the 2000s, people were having gels and sports drink on every bloody session and maybe we yep. went too far that direction. Um, but we know they're, a, 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 for most people, an essential part of race day um, is, is having sports nutrition products. So yep. are you sort of talking one day a week, maybe focusing on your key long session? And well, how, how long does it sort of take to train your gut? And I know that's very generalised, but how, do, how does it sort of work? Yeah, you do need to do it on a regular basis. But I, I just want to, if I may, sidestep for a minute, because I think in terms of nutrition during training, you need to look at what is the goal of this particular session. Is it to increase my endurance? Is it to push my lactate threshold? Is it to train the gut? If you want to do, put some intensity in your session, you've got to take carbohydrates because you can't, 
train at intensity without carbohydrates. If it is to increase your endurance, you don't need so much. You need to have enough so that you don't hit the wall, mm. um, but you need less. If it is to train the gut, if that's the goal of your session, then you need to train with the products that you want to use in, in the race. Mm -hmm. And I also tell athletes to try and find out what brand of sports drink is available in the event. And, and if you can get it, train with that in, in the weeks leading up to the event. So really what you're saying is like you would with your training, you'd set objectives for your training. Is yep. that you, with your nutrition, you'd have the same Absolutely. strategy. Absolutely. Okay. Nutrition is the fourth discipline mm. in an Ironman, right? In mm -hmm. Ironman training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. How did you get on with John with his uh, sports nutrition when he was doing Ironman? <laughs> um, well, he's very good. He, you know, I'm, I did a, exactly that, a very uh, precise plan of a certain number of carbohydrates an hour. Yeah. We push it more on the bike because yeah. it's easier to eat and drink on the bike. Swimming, of course, you can't. Um, and then a little bit, bit less on the run. Um, mm. And, and I had an exact plan, and he executed that. Mm. Um, his race didn't go so well, and it oh, was more <laughs> of a pacing issue, I think, yeah. not a nutritional issue. Yeah. Um, but but I also acknowledge, you know, I make it sound really simple, but I acknowledge it's nutrition is a really difficult issue, and gut issues are really c common, and probably more so in, in, in the hot environments. And, and I think it is important for people to understand, like, you know, you get a lot of people who say, I can't eat before I train in the morning. Yes. And, and you know, you can learn yeah, that. you've got to train yes, your body you to learn, learn you know, and it's an adaptive process, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I've worked a lot with multi-sporters and I've done multi-sport events like the Coast to Coast myself. And when you start out, you can tolerate, mm. you know, gels and food. And But if you practice that during your longer sessions or your harder sessions, you get used to it. Most of us get used to it. Mm. Um, yeah. You talked a bit about the, or you talked about the hydration status, and and you said um, I'm not sure if it was before we started, but you were involved a little bit with um, some hyponutremia studies. I remember that Dale Speedy did, and um, <clears throat> and Tim Noakes wrote a whole bloody book on um, yes. waterlogged. So, is it massively variable from athlete to athlete in terms of um, how much fluid they need to be taking in during a race? Um, it, it is definitely individual. Uh, people people are are different. The the issue with hyponatremia that Dale Speedy and Tim Noakes found is that it is is caused primarily by overloading on on water. Some of these athletes would gain weight during an Ironman, and and you know you should never gain weight. You know you're using up a lot of fat stores, glycogen stores, and and you you can't really avoid a, a level of dehydration, so you should lose weight. But apart from drinking, overloading on water, there were, these people had um, um, hormonal and kidney kind of uh, problems that, that weren't function, uh, the, the physiology wasn't functioning properly. So, so that's where the individuality comes in. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't handle it, uh, whereas other people can, can process that a little bit better. So that was part of the problem, you know, sort of um, genetic makeup, I, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, fluid needs are individual, <coughs> and of, of, of course they are highly dependent on en un environmental conditions as well. So doing an Ironman in Hawaii versus doing an Ironman in a more temperate climate, you know, your fluid needs are, are really different. And at extreme temperatures, your um, carbohydrate um, 
needs increase as well. In in Hawaii, at, at, at really hot conditions, you you metabolize more glycogen. Um, then you do it at more moderate temperatures, and it's the same in extreme cold. So you, your carbohydrate needs are higher. So carbohydrate needs are higher in the cold, yet fluid needs are lower. So you need to take that into account, and and that's why I said earlier, you know, I asked about environmental conditions as well. That's quite quite relevant. Mm. But fluid requirements vary a lot more between individuals than carbohydrate requirements. You can say. Uh, you can generalise pretty mm. well with carbs, but not with fluids. But, but with it, you know, there seems to be the message nowadays is thirst should be the gauge. So what would you say in regards to your general advice around fluid? Yeah, I find it an interesting one. And, and, and uh, I, I don't think there is, we can say that there is real evidence for that. I haven't come across that in the literature. And my own sense is that when you're doing s- extreme exercise, that your thirst mechanism is probably a few steps behind okay. what has happened physiologically, yep. you know, because exos- it is so extreme what you're doing. So I think in our everyday life and perhaps training, thirst might be a, a good gauge. But I also think, you know, thirst means, yeah, we are running low. Mm. And if you, if you, in an Ironman, rely on that, you're probably on the back foot right from the start. And when you're on the back foot, it's very difficult to come back from that. Especially in that kind of state you're in. Exactly, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. So I think you need to be a little bit more planned about it. But what we can say is thirst is definitely a sign that you need to drink. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could discuss this for, for hours on end, but um, you've brought it up once or twice as well, so we might as well touch and, and let's on just it. clarify, the way she says fat sounds like fit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, my and, Dutch and, accent. And you're in a very qualified position to, to comment on this because a lot of people that comment on the, the low-carb, high-fat... Um, uh, read one book. Every, yeah, or, or <laughs> if that. And so... I know when, whenever we used to come around to your place for a barbecue or anything, it was this beautiful spread of food and there was salads and there was fat, there was lovely sausages and all this sort of stuff going on. And it was a really nice balanced meal that would get there. And as you said, we've sort of gone to these extremes now. And I've played around with the low-carb, high-fat, and I've got my, my sort of opinions on it. But mine are more opinion-based and anecdotal rather than the science sort of uh, necessarily backing me up 100%. So we're, we're, in terms of your general philosophy around nutrition and where the low carb high fat sort of taking us you know um, do you think people are just taking it a bit too extreme well i certainly have seen a number of of clients who um who've been following the the low carbohydrate diet they are involved in endurance sports and they are just stuffed they are fatigued they don't recover and I get them to eat, to introduce some carbohydrates, healthy carbohydrates, you know, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, um, and they feel better, you know. And to me, that is a no-brainer. If you do, you know, you, we are reliant on our carbohydrate for A, brain function, and B, for um, higher intensity exercise. But I think what, what has happened is, you know, we... The, in the Western world, we're eating far too many processed carbohydrates, mm. refined carbohydrates, sugars. And, and, the, and, and the low carbohydrate diet is a bit of a backlash to that. Um, and I like to see a bit more balance. Um, the, 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 our New Zealand nutritional guidelines recommend 
a range of carbohydrate intakes for health, somewhere between 45 and 60% of our energy, of our calories. They recommend a range for fat and a range for protein. And within that range, we can do what we prefer as individuals. I do think that some people in the general population uh, especially where we talk about obesity and where there is insulin resistance, um, they, those people certainly benefit from reducing their carbs and, and consuming ha- uh, lower glycemic index, car- index carbs. But the other thing to, for me is, what do you mean by low fat, high fat, low carbohydrate? What does that actually mean? It's a bit vague, isn't it? And sometimes when somebody says to me they're on a low carbohydrate, high fat diet, and I ask them what they are actually on, I wouldn't call it that. Mm. Mm. You know, so that is the other thing that is quite important. I just generally think that with the, when people think carbs, they automatically think bread and pasta. And, yeah. and there's a lot of other, and they're often very, very processed. So it's um, exactly, yeah. exactly. And and in saying that, um, yep, eat whole grain breads, eat wholemeal pasta, but eating a pasta meal once or twice a week, if you have lots of vegetables with that, mm. I don't think that's unhealthy. To mm. if you are you know a regular exerciser or an athlete, but balance that with a lot of whole grains, and there's so many different grains available now. Mm. Um, you know, quinoa is is very popular. You can get uh, um, uh, brown rice and all, and all those those kinds of things. You know, it, uh, so the good thing is that people are eating more uh, a more variety of grains now. You know, mm. millet, buckwheat, um, yeah. all those, and I think that is a really good trend. I had quinoa with my breakfast this morning. Belinda made quinoa up for breakfast. Yeah, made a nice wow. family sort of quinoa-y quinoa sort of porridge. Uh, porridge, yeah. Nice. So what would be your general advice? For, I know this is a big, big question, but general advice just for general health around nutrition. Um, yep, I would say in general terms, eat lots of fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, eat some whole grains. Um, have some milk products, and whether they're cow's milk or soya milk or almond milk, you can choose that, but realize that almond milk, for example, and some of the rice milks, uh, oat milk, are not as high in protein and, mm. and minerals, especially calcium, so you need to uh, be aware of that. Um, and then eat, um, eat good protein sources. And whether you are a meat eater or non-meat eater, if you're eating meat, go for lean cuts, go for skinned poultry, and I'm, you know, I, I prefer personally um, organic chicken. Um, lots of fish, especially the oily fish, is really good. Um, you know, and that's sort of it in a nutshell, supplementation, like things like like your multivites and stuff like that, or you. It, well, the thing is, if you eat well, you're getting, it. You, you're getting plenty, yeah. plenty of those vitamins mm. and minerals. And in New Zealand, and, it hap- and it's the same in other, in other countries, you know, we actually have food composition tables that are based on food, on New Zealand foods that have been chemically analyzed. So people who said, say that there are no nutrients left in our, in our yeah. um, fruit and vegetables, you know, we can actually check that with food composition tables. They're, they're averages. But but they still give good information and and it transpires that yes we do 
you know, those f foods do contain uh, micronutrients. In New Zealand, we, we the soil is low in selenium and so, some other things, and, and so you might need to supplement that. But you can do that by eating two Brazil two nuts. Two Brazil today. nuts yeah. a day. Yeah. Exactly. And, you and don't so, have too many Brazil nuts. Though. Yeah, if you, if you eat, the thing is, if you eat well, then... Um, vitamin mineral supplements aren't needed if you don't eat well a vitamin mineral supplement won't address the whole problem yeah it will only address the vitamins and minerals yeah. and remember that water soluble vitamins like all the b vitamins and vitamin c any excess to requirements goes down the toilet yeah. you know yeah, creating yellow really yellow urine yeah. which you might you might confuse with dehydration yeah okay yeah so Ian, in terms of um, what you're doing in Christchurch, you're, um, you're based out of Sportsmed. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do here and, and, and whether you do take people outside of Christchurch as well if they need some sports nutrition advice. Sure, yes. I've got a clinic at Sportsmed, which is a multidisciplinary sports medicine clinic, and people just can make an appointment, whether it's general public or athletes, they make an appointment to see me, and I also... Uh, offer an um, online Skype service and um, and that information, uh, how to contact me and what to expect when you make an appointment is on my website, inhelements.com. Nice new website. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which um, hasn't been up and going long. So it's actually difficult to find at the moment unless you put in the actual website name. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do online um, consulting as well. So we'll have a link for that off uh, imtalk.me if you want to check that out because Ian is spelt I-E-N, yeah. um, Hallamans. Uh, so thank you very much for your time. It's always good to get some good you know, so balanced nutrition. It's good to have nutrition. someone who's been at a career at a high level in these topics and it's really mm. great. Yeah. Rather than the people who've been around for five minutes, as you said, Bevan, reading one book. Yep. So <laughs> we will see you out on the tracks around Christchurch and uh, we'll see you doing the Sea to Sky Challenge again next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I better start training. Exactly. Hey, thanks for right. having me, guys. Yeah, thank you. John, your thoughts? Oh, gold stuff as always. The Hellmans are a, a well. Jeez, they must have some pretty intelligent conversations, eh? Family. Yes. You know? Exactly. Just like Joe and I. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like that. Sponsor. Extreme endurance. Wait, wait, John. So John, 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 we've quickly paused and come back. John, John's, we're being lazy today because he's basically playing the clip from the website. Okay, here we go. Line placebo-controlled crossover study was just conducted at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette by Dr. David Bellar. Sixteen active males were tested while using extreme endurance, and the results were even more dramatic than the first European published clinical study. A 26% reduction in lactic acid, a 39% reduction post-exercise oxidative stress, and a six times reduction of CK levels or muscle damage. Without question, you will perform at a higher, more efficient level. Any athlete not using extreme endurance is simply at a disadvantage. The evidence is conclusive. John, I think there's something that we really learned about from that clip. A, the evidence is conclusive. We're not dramatic enough. But B, you've got to have a voice like that to sell something, <laughs> don't you? That's a good... We did some research in the lab and it is good. <laughs> no, well, I'm buying it. <laughs> so basically what they're saying is they've done more research and it's actually more conclusive, more... More basically saying weight and extreme endurance is great. Exactly. So if you want to reduce your muscle soreness, uh, perform better, check it out, xendurance.com. Remember the promo code IMTALK20 and you get a whopping 20% off. And also, John, start working on your voice.
Not you, exactly. it's just everyone in general. Because if you go like that to a talk, people are going to be like, this person knows their crap. Okay, John, I, I'm not going to do music because there's lots of stops. Website of the week. week. He burped. I did. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I'd disguise that. Oh. You'll be nice and loud. Lee Thompson sent through. We've got a couple kind of just quick ones here. Sorry, Thomas um, sent through. I've uh, just basically thanks for the um, the road coverage. Loved it. Basically, what he's looking to do is set up a Facebook page where triathletes can almost set up home stays for each other in different parts of the world. Um, and it's he's calling it uh, what's the name of it, John? It's called it's just a Facebook triathlon. Page. It's called Triathlon Community. And there's a link that I'm going to put to it on. Uh, our website, www.imtalk.me. And what he's liking is that if people go on and just like this page, and the whole idea is, you know, like for example, he's got here, I understand that we all don't live in a town like Rote, Taupo, or any of the other full distance towns, but we may be able to do something to help. We can share a cab with someone who arrives at the airport at the same time, lend out a spare multi-tool the day before the race, offer advice on getting the bike rebuilt out of the box by a local bike shop fitter, or anything we want. We All all we need to do is to sign up to this page, and when we are travelling, post on the page to see if anyone else can help us with our needs, then hopefully someone can. And obviously vice versa, if you're in that area for a race, you could go check out this page, and you can see if there's anyone who needs some help in your area and it's one of the cool things about our sport is how willing people are to, to help aren't they mm-hmm. you know and so so basically he's looking to build a big community around this and he's basically saying can you put this on the show which we're doing right now to see if you guys can go on the earth like this page and it could be a variable tool for triathletes going to races nice work and then the second one we got here is jeremy hopwood he's just basically he's going to be going to the itu long horse championship in penticton uh the itu multi-sport festival it's called john and he was thinking let's Couple have a week so yeah he's saying let's let's rock on and have an i am talk meetup now john and i aren't going to be there but i love his initiative here and basically he, he's put a he's created a a meetup page so it's a google docs and if you're going to be going to penticton and you want to meet up some more i am talk listeners and i've got to say Mm. i am talk listeners are always really cool yeah do you know what i mean like whenever we meet at i am talk listeners it's people like you you know like it's it's people like us who just enjoy the sport have some fun and so it's a really cool idea and he's basically created a page where you can go to this page you can kind of see you say what race you're doing he's given us some options or you some options what they could be for the meetup and then um, your email, and then you send it through, and he's going to try to coordinate something for the IM Talk listeners. So, uh, Jeremy, let us know how it goes. We want some photos. If you've got to maybe <laughs> record some interviews, and we'll, we'll maybe put them on the show. So, um, if you're planning that time of day, we could even do an interview on the show. There you go. This will be a Tuesday morning New Zealand time. So. That's <laughs> but, um, okay for Canada. That'll be Monday afternoon. It'll be post-race. There you go. Monday the 21st. Eight, we normally, normally at about 8.30 uh, New Zealand time, which will be, yep. yeah. It'll be in Penticton, it'll be sort of middle of the day. So you can have a little lunch date, your own talk listeners, and we'll get you on. You can tell us all about the ITU Long Distance World Champs. So I'll put a link to both of those pages on www.imtalk.me for this week's show notes. Okay, John, Wanger of the Week. Who's this week's Wanger of the Week? I think we're going to go with the most activities this week. We okay. I think we've done that one for a while. Okay. So the person who did the most activities. So this is sessions. Sessions. With 23 workouts. Whoa. For 23 hours and 55 minutes of training. Ben Cobra from Australia. 23 workouts. That's more than three sessions a day. Yep. I mean, that's the thing. If you can include your commuting and stuff. But having said that, Joe Skipper and, well, no, in second place was. 
Slick, Slick Rick. Rick from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Slick Rick. And he did 22 sessions for 23 hours and 8 minutes. And then Joe Skipper was third uh, with 22 sessions for 19 hours and 36 minutes. And the girls things here. Joe Combs, she took out 14 sessions. Rachel Cunningham, 9. And Lynette Warren, 8. United Arab Emirates. So there you go. So those are the most activities. Yes. 23 years transport. 23 sessions per. That's a lot Imagine of what was it transport. It's a lot of washing to do. Well, that's the problem with our life, isn't it? Yes. You know, I work in fitness. I go through three outfits a day sometimes. Yeah. It's always a clothes horse out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's always a clothes horse. Um, okay, uh, John, we, have got, we probably don't need to do these. We'll do these next week, eh? Because we've yep. gone pretty long. Um, we'll do those questions. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff John talked about last week in the questions and answers, but we'll do that later. But, John, let's talk about patrons. What about athletes? Oh, we've not done Athlinks. We haven't done Athlinks. Okay, let's do Athlinks. Sponsor. Sponsor. Uh, no, I just went on the Athlinks blog yesterday to see what they've been up to. Do you know there's a Kona Marathon? I think I kind of knew that, but there's a Kona Marathon. Because they, right. they had a little article on Athlinks, one of the ones that I saw amongst other things. They've got four meal tips to optimise performance. They've got some profiles on Athlinks people. They've got uh, top 4th of July races and then an event recap on the Kona Marathon. So if you want to go over to Kona, they do that uh, in late June every year. Um, obviously 42Ks, but they do it down in the Waikoloa area, which is about 50Ks down the Queen K or so. So... Um, sort of a third of the way into the the bike course and it goes around the Waikoloa Resort area which is quite nice and you do end up running a big chunk of it on the, the Queen K and it's, uh, I think it was a two, two lapper. So um, yeah, check out athlinks.com and click on their blog and you get little articles like that and you might go, oh, there's an event I quite like the look of or is humidity training equivalent to altitude training? Um, so a bunch of things on there, so check it out athlinks.com to keep all your results in one place and then click on their blog just to see some general articles. Well it is actually because I've just clicked on here and head sweats have a performance tracker hat. That's right. pretty cool because yeah. I love a head sweats. They're, yeah. good, they're good, you know, the caps yes, or the, the visor are great. The performance cap, so it's obviously similar to the feel of the visor but it's mm -hmm. a pretty cool trucker hat as well so you can be doing a race, be cool and function so yep earthlinks blog make sure you check 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 it out okay john let's talk about our patrons patrons name, let's name a couple name a couple name a couple penny p-bomb commons cummings isn't it cummings cummings yeah i know penny i'm pretty sure it's cummings cool she's good chick good athlete too actually raymond grandmaster perino and shane trendsetter reeves trendsetter he's rocking and rolling um jombo the question i have for you is okay what's your goss what's my goss what is my goss just been i, I we were talking about washing machines and stuff yeah i i managed to install my dryer at the weekend and and dryer's hard to install on the wall. So oh. I had to spin it around and line things up. It was a pretty confined space. I was quite proud of my work, and it's still up. So what did, you, what, what did you do? You put the screws in the hot water. Yeah, the and you got to make sure they're in the right place. Yeah. And it's, and then get the do they give you how do they how do you make sure them? Do they give you like a piece of paper with the? No, just some measurements, and I am hopeless at all this sort of stuff. I rate myself, but I am terrible. I am measure about five million times, cut it, and then realize I've still got it wrong. <sighs> But I think I've got it right, so that's uh, Cause my I did, big I did achievement. A, I did a, something like that, but what they did was really brilliant. Oh, no, they, 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 the New Zealand map there. Oh, yes. So we've got, we've got a really cool piece of art, which my auntie bought me for us for our wedding. And uh, they, what they did is they gave you a piece of paper right. and some circles and said, okay, draw you through here, draw here, and then, which is 
such a simple way of doing it. Yeah. But so you feel like a manly man, John. I feel very good about that. Yep. Uh, haven't done much training, just trying to ease into it, but just been struggling a little bit with uh, a lingering sort of sickness. It's not sick, but it's just that lingering, just can't get over it, which is a bit of a pain in the butt. But other than that, uh, just trucking along and then taking my lovely wife away for a few days on oh, Friday. Going to Fiji, romantic yeah. weekend. Yeah. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. No kitties, just chilling out. Yeah, nice, nice. What, do you, what time do you leave? We're leaving early Friday morning. Hit the Coro Club in Christchurch. Hit it again in Auckland. <laughs> uh, leave early, so I think it's seven o'clock in the morning. So it's early start. What time do you come back? Later in the day. So we've sort of got five days, four nights. Nice. Just good. It's only three hours to Fiji. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Mm. Um, any other goss? What are you going to do in Fiji? Nothing. Are you going to train? No, the great thing is, and I may have said this last week, the internet is priced so yeah, expensive. No, you told me afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that I'm going unconnected for five days. It's going to be fantastic. So zero connection five days. I'm loving it. I love that sort of stuff. Five days? No yeah, connection? Belinda will be struggling. Tell, okay, here's the book to read, guys. Here's the book. Now, do you like reading a book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, holiday like that. It's great yeah. for reading a book. Okay, you, you talk about something else for a second. I'm gonna put this book. Uh, Belinda's gonna be the one that struggles with. She's on her phone the whole bloody time, so uh, she, she? she's gonna struggle, which will be to talk. Uh, entertaining to watch. <laughs> yeah, we were t- talking, and I don't know. I might try to go for a couple of little runs. We're staying on this kind of island where I think doing much is going to be a bit of a struggle, but well, it's not an island. It's more of a peninsula. You got to get a little barge across. I'm toying with going into a hire car for a day and having a look around, so I may run to do that. And uh, yeah, no grand plans. This is a novel. All right. It's kind of a thriller, but kind of not a thriller, kind of drama slash thriller. But I really enjoyed it. Now, to be honest, when novels, I'm pretty easily pleased. Mm -hmm. The real test is does Joe like it? Because right. Joe, A, she reads it, like Joe's last name was Reed. Right. And her nickname used to be Joe Read a Book. Yeah. And she literally read a book every three nights. She just yeah. flies through books. But the girl before, the okay. girl before, highly recommend it. I got it, I read it when I was over in Europe. And then Joe read it and she was like, geez, that's a really good book. And that's that's a statement. The girl before okay. by Rena Olsen. O-L-S-O-N. So check okay. that out. I highly recommend it, guys. Very, very good book. Um, okay, Nice. That's it, your goss. Yeah, I've got to finish the book that I'm reading at the moment. The, was it The Last Pilgrim or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read that. Uh, John, I'll tell you my goss. I have a couple yes. of things. Yes. I'm concerned I'm becoming a bit of a criminal. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because in the last two weeks, two things have happened which make me look like a bit of a criminal. The unintentional criminal. But mm. So, first is, went to the countdown the week before. We were going to go out Saturday night and we couldn't be bothered. So, we ate thought, some grapes on the way through the food and veggies. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Do you do, <laughs> do, you do that? Eat them before you get to weigh in time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> I would eat the grape beforehand. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't do the, eat the grapes. No, we got my. So, we were Saturday night. We thought, well, let's just go, go get Back some. it up. Back it up. Did you say you went to countdown? You're supposed to be shopping at Pack and Save. I do, but no, but like on the way home, I've been to the gym and I said to Joe, we're going to do anything? She said no. I said, well, why don't we just get something nice for dinner on the way home? And so okay. go through countdown. Got to go to Pack and Save. It's Pack and Serve Triathlon Festival. Oh, it, okay. Well, no, we, we shop at Pack and Save. Don't worry about that. We're, we're supporting you. Yeah, because yeah. we're cheap. Um, and so we, we so I went there and went in and there was something wrong with, oh, no. So I put my, put my food in. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've got those automatic tellers nowadays. Mm-hmm. And there was something wrong with the weighing. And I said to the guy, look, there's something wrong with the weighing. He came and looked at my bag. I said, okay, and take the thing, went home. Well, it turns out I hadn't paid for like three things because he just saw the top of my bag. Yeah. And so I ended up saving like 
20 bucks. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Unintentional criminal. Mm-hmm. Second team. So then last weekend we went to Mighty Ten had I actually put something on the, on the outside as well, Jonathan. Yeah. Oh, we're so manly, the two of us. <laughs> we got one of those outside key boxes. Yeah. Because we only have one set of keys in our <laughs> It's life. quite easy to put up that no, sort of thing John, and... No, no. I had to get the pen out, had to draw holes and yeah. then yep, line it. A big job, John. Big job. Uh, almost like building a house. Yeah. So I went to Mitre 10, and we also needed to get some No More Nails because that little chest over there needed a piece of thing. And and maybe I am an intentional criminal on this one, John. Yeah. Because what happened, we got the No More Nails. Now, No More Nails is a joke, John, because first of all, you look, you buy the big ones about, you know, about mm. 10 inches. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the 10-inch one costs yeah. you six bucks. Yeah. Well, if you want to get the little one, you know, the little one. Now, the 10-inch, you need the gun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the gun. So if you want to get the little one, 10 bucks. Mm. So for, your, you know, 10 inch versus three inch, mm. you're paying three dollars more for a three inch. So I was like, babe, we're not doing that. But the problem was we didn't have a gun. Yeah. So we had to buy a gun. And so Joe was like, well, then it's more than 10 bucks. But hey, babe, it's the principle. I'm showing them. <laughs> I'm showing them. So then we're going around the store and I thought to myself, oh, I might put the, the no more nails in the gun and pretend yeah. like I'm a criminal going around. And so I was thinking, yeah. that's pretty cool. And, uh, and I did think to myself, I wonder if they won't charge me for this. It didn't even, <laughs> and then, you know, because I had it linked it together. Go up and pay, didn't even think about it. Get home. They hadn't, pay, they hadn't charged me, John. They mm. just charged me for the gun. So that it actually only cost me $3, not $12. Oh, my God. You're a thief. I know, John. I've got to stop it because yeah. if I get busted. And I've just given away evidence. If Bevan, if anybody works at My 10, uh, was this My 10 Colombo Street? Don't, no, John, it wasn't. No, and it was count, <laughs> Countdown Colombo Street. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Give us a buzz. Unless you weren't stealing from packets over there, well, I would be dobbing you. Admittedly, the second one was a thought in my head, but it wasn't intentional. I forgot about it. But then when we got home, mm. yeah. So you can go and make your wrongs right if you want to. Well, would you? Of course I would. Do you know what I'm doing this weekend, John? What are you doing this weekend? I see Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, really? Yeah, up in Auckland. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What's the deal with the. That's, that's, Jerry, that's my Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, you used to watch with Jerry? Yeah, Seinfeld was a great show. Mm. Remember the masturbation episode? I don't specifically remember the masturbation. It was absolute gold. Here's what happened. They decide they're going to have this bet that who can last the longest without masturbating. And and so they're having this conversation about who's the bet. So all four of them, Kramer, George, was it Elaine? Yeah, and Jerry. And Jerry. So they're having this conversation and and Kramer leaves the room for a second and by the time they've finished talking about the bet, he comes back and, I'm out! Uh, Yeah, I think I do remember that. Yeah. (laughs) It was pretty cold. So anyway, so I'm going to go see him. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Edon. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.